and interests in health and well-being with different perspectives to bring you a variety of tips and tricks for feeling your best and living a full, healthy life. Let's get started. Um, Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. It's so funny how the power of social media, right? Because you're in Ireland, I'm in Los Angeles, California, and we met through an Instagram group, which is so crazy. It's crazy. Like I, I actually love that. I feel like, like, at least for me, like sometimes my parents always like, like, uh, social media, like you kids and your social media, but like, I actually think it's so good because like, you can definitely have the toxicity of it all, but like, I made so many like internet friends. I love it. I know. Me too. (laughs) I don't know if we're doing something differently, but I don't (laughs) find like, I don't have that issue at least not yet where it's like toxic or brings me down. Like, I feel like it's very inspiring and I get like a little bit more creative, like watching what other people are doing and you get to meet like-minded individuals. So I don't know, maybe we're doing something. something (laughs) I actually noticed. So I have like, well, I used to have my personal page, which was like, I mean, when I had, when I started Instagram, I was like 15 or whatever, when it first came out and you, I mean, when I had it, like, I mean, it's still there. I just don't use it. So I had it like 10 years. So like, think of all the like people you follow from when you're 15 compared to now. So it got to the point where I was like going through the feed. I'm like, I don't even know half these people. I feel rude if I unfollow them, but like, this is not the content I am dying to see. Yeah. Um, so when I made the yoga page, I was like, this is amazing. I get to like start from scratch. And now my feet, like I love going on my Instagram. because it's like all <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the trick is you have to like reevaluate and, and kind of evolve your social media following. Cause I kind of did the same thing. I have a personal account that I used when I started. And now I just use that for like family and high school friends to see pictures of my kid. <laughs> and then I use my holistic with Chris. Yeah. All the things I like, <laughs> like this is where, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's so funny. Um, nice to pick and choose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go back and forth. So I, you know, I want to talk about yoga and how you ended up doing yoga teacher training and and all that good stuff. But first, please tell us how you made the journey over to Ireland from Ohio. I love (laughs) that you took that chance and were brave enough because not many people will even move out of the town that they grew up in, let alone to another country. Yeah. So I'll start. Sorry, my internet keeps like cutting in and out. So if I ever like just don't respond, I'm not like off the world. promise um so my story like the background I would say is for me in college I went to college um in Cleveland so I grew up about like 35 minutes outside of Cleveland and I went to college there and I was like living on campus and stuff I wasn't commuting um but in college I studied abroad in Galway Ireland which which was like the time of my life I just had so much fun and my mom came to visit like when I was leaving and she pretty much had to drive me home kicking and screaming I was crying the whole way I didn't want to leave um, so I had loved it and I had been an Irish dancer like growing up, which is like so random. Yeah. So I always had some random connection to Ireland. Like, I don't know how, but it just always happened. So something was always like gravitating me there. So come to the end of my like college when I was graduating, I knew I wanted to get my master's. Um, so I was like, where am I going to go? And I was like, you know, we're sunny and has a beach, California. I'm going to San Diego. So I moved to San Diego, fell in love with it. And the only people I knew out there because I moved out there and I didn't know anybody, um, were some people from Ireland that I had met during study abroad who had moved out to California. So I 
had moved out there and then eventually just got, kind of got connected to these Irish people. And through them, I met a guy, an Irish guy, and he had a cute little accent and everything. So <laughs> met him. He's probably listening in another room being like, oh my God, what up? Um, <laughs> anyway, I met him and we were together there for like two years and I was kind of like, so I'm coming back with you. <laughs> you have no choice. I'm coming. So I was like, you know, I knew I loved living in Ireland before. Um, and I'm just somebody like, I want to live all over the place and adventure and stuff like that. So I packed up and moved and I'm um, here. Yeah, thankfully my parents like him. So that, that worked out. They might've had a harder time if I was like, bye, <laughs> it's going off some guy. But yeah, so it's kind of crazy how it all kind of brought us together. We were actually at the same university in Ireland at the same time, but never met. Um, so crazy how life works out that way. But yeah, so it all started with a boy and that's how I'm here. That is amazing. I love that. Yeah. Do you, have you ever heard of astrogeography? Like the, where there's points like on the earth that you, based on kind of your birth chart and when you were born and your astrological signs, like there are certain points on the globe that you feel pulled to and other places where you feel repelled by and everything goes wrong. And like, oh my if you start to think about that, you're like, yeah. That's so interesting. I like I totally agree. Cause like, I, like, I definitely don't like feel like, like I love my hometown it's great, but like, I wouldn't, I'm not connected to Cleveland. In fact, like I really don't enjoy being there, but I couldn't explain why. I don't know why I never had any interest in living there. Um, but like, again, I was always gravitated to Ireland, gravitated towards San Diego. So that make, I got to Google that later. That's so Ew. interesting. Yes. If you look up um, on Instagram, Dara Dubinet, it's D-B-I-N-E-T. She was okay. on a podcast and I, I, I heard this explanation and it made perfect sense to me because I feel that way about my hometown in New Jersey, Philadelphia, the East coast. It just never worked for me. And I always had this pull to Los Angeles, even LA specifically, because we moved to Orange County and it just felt wrong. It felt off. And we moved back to LA and I've never been happier. Like there's just something about, yeah, but like for other people, they don't feel that way. And you had this pull to Ireland and you connected with Irish people and an Irish boy. And, you know, it's just like, it sounds. It felt out of, like out of my control there. as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it wasn't anything like I could, I guess I could like all bring it back to different choices I was making and stuff, but it wasn't anything intentional. Like yeah. I'm going to find my way. I mean, 16 year old me probably would have loved to end up with an Irish guy. So like right. she definitely <laughs> this, but like it wasn't anything I was doing intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> but like it's crazy. So that makes total sense. Yeah. I'm curious to see what you think if you check her out. She's just got like, yeah, Yeah, that's your place. So do you think you'll stay there long term? I don't know. Like I, we're both very, like we love to travel and we love California. So I would say we could definitely see ourselves back in San Diego. He's doing like a, yes, (laughs) prepare. I'm going to be coming up and we're going to yoga and Pilates. I say we'll end up back there, but we're here for a few years anyway. And it's like, I'm just such a fun adventure. And I, you know, I'm waiting on my second dose of the vaccine. So once I get that, I'm off and traveling Europe as soon as possible. So that's yeah. too, you know, I think so many people get stuck in their own heads and are afraid to travel, to move, to do those things. And you did that at such a young age. And it seems like with very little hesitation, you were very eager to go. And I know for me, I was very nervous to, I had never flown alone. And then once I was sent over to the UK for work, that was the first time I flew yep. by myself. I'd never been overseas oh. and I did it alone. Yep. 
once I did that, all of a sudden I was traveling everywhere by myself. I was moving to LA. Like it just opened up the floodgates. You got like, what do you think, what tips would you have for somebody who's afraid to take that step, but could really benefit from that? I would say like, my first thing is don't think too much about it. Just go for it. I'm such a person, like I am such like a daydreamer. So I was, I always kind of grew up like dreaming about where I would end up and like having all these grand ideas and stuff. So it was always kind of in the cards for me, but I can definitely see like, oh my God, the feeling of when I was going to study abroad and the feeling, like I'm very close to my parents. So the feeling of saying goodbye, that was excruciating. Like every goodbye is just horrible. Um, <laughs> just like bawling in the airport. Like it's going to be hard, but you kind of have to think about it as like ripping off a bandaid and there's so much more you can gain. Like I came back, I feel like a very, from my first time, like when I was studying abroad, I came back a very different person. And I think I remember like family members and people kind of coming up to me after and being like, you're, you're, you really have like come into yourself after. I think like just knowing that, like, if you just take the step, just take it one baby step at a time, you will learn so much more about yourself than you ever thought possible. Mm-hmm. Um, just rip the bandaid off, go yeah. for the first step and it will all fall into place and it will be, there's still going to be hard parts, but like, it's, it's so worth it. So worth it. I love that. I like that you made that point about allowing it to be hard in some ways, but still doing it to reap the benefits on the other side. Like you can have both at the same time. You can be sad to leave and also excited to go. Yeah, I think there's a, so one of my favorite books of all time is Eat, Pray, Love. Like so basic. Uh (laughs) Um, And I remember there's a a line and I'm going to totally botch it, but she's like, the only thing scarier than leaving was staying. And the only thing like scarier than staying was leaving, something like that. And I really do think it really resonates. Like, yes, it's scary to go, but it's scarier to stay and stay the same. Um, there's just so much more transformation ahead to go through all the stickiness, go through all the hard stuff. It's worth it on the end, on the other side. Um, and that's makes all the, that makes the journey so much more beautiful as well. The complexity of it all. So yeah. I say do it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So anybody who's listening, take that first step. Even if it's just a road trip by yourself, just start to like build that muscle. And you know, if you want to go big, rip off that bandaid and just go. Now is the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it can be as simple as taking the day and saying, oh, I'm just going to take myself on a day date and go maybe travel outside of your town or your city for an hour, uh, like going on an hour long little road trip or something, and then spend the day somewhere, get lost and just be by yourself. And I think that's a great first step to kind of ease your way into it. And it is. And it, like, honestly, I love it. Like, me too. I was going to say, it sounds like a perfect day. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So at what point did yoga start to become a part of your life? Was that in San Diego? Was that when you moved over to Ireland? Great question. So it was kind of, it's been in and out of my life for a long time. And I think a lot of people with yoga, they're like, oh, you go into phases where you're practicing it every day. And then maybe you stop for a few months or whatever. So very natural for it to kind of come in and out. You're never really going to just dive in. Some people dive in head first and never leave. But for me, that wasn't the case. So like I said, I was an Irish dancer in high school like all the way up to I was nice chance oh. for 12 Can but it was very <laughs> like what how, how is Irish dancing a thing at a school outside of Cleveland oh so random so well I had done it like since I was a kid okay. I had seen somebody at a talent show when I was younger and she was Irish dancing and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world and I was like I need to do that but the actual like the world of Irish dancing in America is insanely competitive oh. and like I was training like five times a week. I had a personal trainer. I was traveling all over the world for competitions. Like 
it was, it's insane. I know like your veins right now, but if you don't, if you're not familiar with it at all, like, and I, it's not massive in California, but like, especially East coast Midwest would be really big for it. Canada would be really big for it. Um, and then Ireland and the UK massive. And it's so competitive. It's this crazy little world. Like it's wild. <laughs> they need to make a reality about it or something. But essentially I was so competitive with it. And when I was 17, I was kind of at the end of my rope. I was getting a bit injured, but mentally as well, it was so taxing. Like my dance teachers, like they were just crazy. Like then they would and just like shouting and yelling at you and stuff. And you're like a teenager, you're going through these transformative years and stuff. And you know, you would see it like with Olympic coaches and stuff, like it happens, but like, it's unnecessary. <laughs> and it was just so intense. And I was putting my body through so much. And I got to the point where like, I really started getting worn down and I got injured with my hip. And the doctor told me like, try something light to kind of balance it out when I had to take some time off. So I started going to yoga classes um, and I liked it and it was nice. And, but it was so hard for me because I was like, so like you're like able to do kind of do your own thing there's no right or wrong what is this because I'm <laughs> this structured like militant like style of practicing and yeah. stuff um so I kind of got into it a little bit but then you know I got back to dancing and then I ended up leaving dance and then I went to college and I didn't exercise one bit I was like so done I was like because I, I was like really like I was nearly underweight I was like training so hard it's, again, it's so random Irish dancing, but like, that's how insane insensitive is. But, um, so yeah, I went to college and I was like, I'm done working out. Like I put my body through so much. I can eat whatever I want. I don't have to go to practice. I can have a social life. I can go to frat parties. I can eat unlimited with my meal plan. So yeah. I kind of just went to the opposite direction and I was so unhealthy. And my, my senior year of college, my mental health really suffered. So I, I deal with anxiety and depression and it got really bad. And I started kind of coming back to yoga a little bit. I was like, let me just try something else. Kind of got into it. And then eventually when I moved to San Diego, um, such a healthy lifestyle out there, you just kind of naturally go to yoga. And my mental health was better at this point, but it wasn't, you know, perfect yet. Not that it ever is, but like it wasn't where it is now by any means. So when I had gone out to San Diego, it's just, you're much more inclined to go to do things like go to yoga and go to brunch and stuff. So I started doing that and I got really into it. Um, and it made my anxiety and depression so much better. Like, so did medication and therapy, but like, like it was another really helpful thing. So that's when I got really into it, but it was kind of a journey that brought me there, like little bits of trying it here and there, but it wasn't really until I was ready. I think like mentally where I was ready to kind of which sounds a bit cheesy, but like ready to kind of go into that journey and be more committed to it. Um, like it pulls you in at the right time when you, when you're most in need of it. And for me, it was like the only time I could go somewhere for an hour and I wouldn't have to think about my anxious thoughts or anything like that. It would just shut off. Um, it was the perfect time for me to get into it. And so since then I've been, been a yogi. So I love it. Yeah. And it is, it's such a spiritual practice too. It's not just about the physical, which I do want to talk about. So you then continued your practice, moved to Ireland and then embarked on your yoga teacher training. So you decided that, you know, it would be beneficial to share this with other people. And I think during the pandemic, especially you were able to do it virtually, which was so helpful. I attended a couple of your classes, which I loved. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, I want to talk about the physical transformation that happens through practicing yoga, but 
can you speak a little bit more to the mental shift and, and the benefits there for someone who maybe is thinking about how they can incorporate yoga in yeah. addition to all the other healthy habits, you know, to help with their mood and mental health? Yeah. And I, that's what I kind of like to encourage with most people, because when you think about yoga, like a lot of times, like we see this westernized version of people in Lululemon, mm-hmm. which my Lululemon pants are very nice. I do like them, but that's not what yoga is all about. <laughs> and it's usually a lot of skinny white girls. And that's just yeah. the fact of the matter. that's what you see. And so imagining it as it's hard for a lot of people to picture themselves in this world of yoga. Um, so for me, I'm like, so hardcore I'm making sure that everybody wants I want everybody to feel welcome I want everybody to feel like yoga is so much more than that it's not about taking the headstand pics on Instagram for Mm -hmm. me it's about the mental practice just as much as the physical but it didn't start that way for me it started you know as another form of exercise right so Mm -hmm. for me I think what's most important is for people to understand that anybody can be a yogi whether you are you know in a wheelchair, you can still be a yogi, right? So yoga, the physical practice of yoga is only one part of what yoga is. So there's, when you go and I won't go too heavy into the philosophy because I could talk about it for hours, but there there are these eight limbs of yoga. And this goes back um, centuries ago in India, this guy Pantanjali wrote these eight sutras and yoga, the physical practice asana is only one of the eight limbs. You also have meditation, you have breath work. Um, you have all of this kind of other practices involved. Um, so when people are kind of nervous to try yoga, I'm always going to, I always want to say like, it's so much more than what you see. There's a whole other kind of lifestyle around it. Um, so the mental aspects I think is just so incredible. So it's really a lot about like non-attachment and you can kind of take that in different ways. So you can be like, Oh, I'm not attached to physical things. Um, I'm a yogi. I don't have any physical belongings. Like anybody who knows me knows, like, I love my makeup. I love like shopping. I am so attached to things, but it's more about like being non-attached, I think, to your thoughts and to things that weigh you down, things that are bothering you. It's being able to separate yourself to that and being able to connect with each other, connect with nature, all of the physical postures in yoga are named after things like tree pose or downward dog. So all of these things in nature and life and creatures and all that kind of stuff. So it's so much more. So a lot of it is about connection. And I think that was really helpful for me with my mental health. I was feeling so alone and it made me feel like I was a part of something bigger than myself, but also something that wasn't super overbearing, like a, you know, a, like a big organization or something like it was just a, a practice that people you can go into as much as you or li- as little as you want to. Um, so I could ramble about it for ages, but I think it's really just a great way to kind of detach yourself from expectations, detach yourself from your thoughts. Not all of your thoughts are going to be good thoughts. So that's kind of a, a great acknowledgement as well. Like you don't have to believe everything you think. Um, and it's also about connecting with each other and it's, and it's so much more than just a physical, you know, workout, which is a great, like, I love it to work out as well but you have a whole kind of way of life that you can really jump into if you wanted to, it it can just be your one hour workout and that's fine. Um, But if you want more, you can get that, I think, which is a really special. It almost sounds like the physical aspect of it is literally like just one eighth of, of it is exactly the least important. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Yeah. What are the eight? Is it limbics? Limbs. Limbs. Eight limbs yoga. Yeah. So you would have, um, so they're like in Sanskrit, but just to kind of some of the basics I'll go into is, um, you have your yamas and niyamas. 
So those are kind of your personal observances and rules. So one of them would be like ahimsa, which is um, do no harm pretty much. So some people take that as being vegetarian or vegan. Um, I'm not either of those things. It just doesn't work with my lifestyle, but I kind of take that as I do no harm in terms of my thoughts because I can be very hard on myself and I try to be kind to everybody else, giving people the benefit of the doubt, all that kind of stuff. So what's cool about it is you can interpret it into your life anyway, really. Um, so you've got yamas, niyamas, and then you've got pranayama, which is your breath work. Mm-hmm. You have meditation. That's another one of the limbs. You have your asana, which is your physical posture. Um, you've got, I'm going to forget some, I'm going to leave some. Okay, I'm just getting tested right now. No, and then you've got, um, you would have one that is kind of taking away your senses so you can be more in tune to your what's going on inside of you. And then the last one would be essentially Samadhi, which is enlightenment, which can be taken in so many different ways. Like you could look at that as like Nirvana or heaven, or maybe it's just, for me, it's like being a better person than I was yesterday. That's my like form of enlightenment. So it's cool because you have these like structures that you can kind of interpret in many ways. And there's some like branches of yoga that would take them very literally. But like, for me, it's just kind of how I like to interpret it and how I like to, to live my life. And that's very loose, like, but that's just how it works. The beauty of it. I think I, that's kind of the appeal, at least for me, is that it's not super structured. You can take from it what you need and what suits you. And you don't have to look towards this idea of perfectionism or five classes a week at, you know, orange theory or how much weight are you lifting? Like, it's all very personal. Mm-hmm. And it can be intense physically, or it can be restorative. And I think that's so special that there's always something that you can pull from. And like you said, there's something for everyone at every level and you yeah. don't have to be doing a headstand and super skinny and, you know, you yeah. show up, just show up to yoga. That's, and take from it that's the first need. step is just showing up on your mat. You can be in child's pose the whole time. You can lay down the whole time. Like if you're coming to my class, if you want to lay in child's pose the whole time, <laughs> more power to you. I love that. You won't see me popping upside down. I don't like to be upside down. So like, I'm so, like not an Instagram yogi in that sense. Like yeah. I'm just, I get very motion sick. So I don't like yeah. being upside down. <laughs> so like, it's just, it's just, it's just whatever fits your lifestyle and you can go away from it. It's always going to be there for you. So if you want to take six months off, you want to take six years off of yoga, you can come back to it. It's, it's not going to change. It's going to yeah. be there for you. So, yeah. so what type of yoga do you practice? So I know there's like lots of different kinds of yoga. Yeah, there's lots of different kinds. For me, I practice primarily vinyasa yoga, which is um, probably vinyasa and hatha would be the two main you would main types of yoga you probably see in like Western practice. Mm-hmm. Um, hatha would be a bit more slower. You're holding poses for a little bit longer, um, but vinyasa would be very quick. So it's breath to movement kind of sequences. Um, and the kind of classes I like to teach and I like to take would be kind of like sequential. So you're repeating sequences over and over again. And I like to add on a little bit each time. And the reason I like that style is because it kind of works as a moving meditation for me. So I can just kind of turn my brain off. My body knows where it's going. Um, and you can really just focus on connecting with your breath and it can be really challenging. I like, I love, like I teach vinyasa, which is a lot of times um, kind of the basis for power yoga and my classes would be very strong. I like to push myself and work hard and work up a sweat because that's how I get out of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, you could do gentler vinyasas as well, but that would be my main type. 
I love to practice yin yoga as well. It took me a long time to fall in love with yin yoga, but yin you're holding. It's a lot of times kind of confused with restorative. You're holding poses and you're using like pillows and bolsters to support you, but you're holding them for like five to seven minutes at a time. And it can be like, it's so slow. And I hated slowing down. I hated being left. Which means you needed it. (laughs) I needed it. Exactly. So I eventually found myself falling in love with it. And now I love yin. Eventually I want to learn, like do a yin teacher training, but um, I would practice that a little bit as well, but primarily vinyasa for me. Yeah. That's great. I love that. And I think that reminds me of, you know, the quote, and again, I don't know verbatim the quote, but it was something along the lines of, you know, if you are too busy to meditate, you need to meditate for twice as long or something to that effect. Right. So, so it's yeah. like, I feel like that's what was meant for me. I'm so yeah. like, <laughs> those of us I don't who like are in our head. Yeah. So you oh, also man. mentioned that that's part of, you know, your practice, your, your teaching is that, um, kind of getting to that place of stillness as self-care. So what do you mean by that when you say that? Yeah. So like for me, it's, I think it's being comfortable with doing nothing. Mm. And I'm so like, as a tourist, I feel like we love, like, we love like (laughs) air, pampering ourselves. (laughs) Yes. It's really, you don't have to tell me much to be like, to be like, Katie, let's uh, self-care time. I'm like, sure. Anytime, (laughs) 24 seven self-care. But it really is, I think, being comfortable, being on your own, being comfortable being silent because I think that's when you like, it's a form of listening to yourself, what Mm -hmm. your body needs. So taking the time to just listen and whether that is just reading your book at night before you go to bed, Mm -hmm. if you're a morning person, which I am not, sometimes it's waking up extra early to watch the sunrise or something like that. It's just taking the time to be quiet because I think that's when you kind of get in touch with yourself because I don't know, like for me working from home and stuff during the day as well, like, I feel like I'm constantly in conversation with myself. Maybe that's just me crazy talking to myself all day, but like, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> but I'm never really listening. Do you know what I mean? Like you're, you're not listening to what your body needs most of the day because your mind is always thinking about something else. Mm-hmm. So I think the ultimate form of self-care, yes, face masks and whatever, like love it. That's great. But it, the, the highest form of self-care you can take is just to listen to yourself and to slow down and to say, Katie, how are you doing today? What do you need? Do you need a longer sleep tonight? Do you want to take some time off your phone? Like for me, I would be very like, like I'm somebody, like I would be very active on social media, but I am allergic to notifications on my phone. I'm horrible at texting people back, but sometimes I'm okay with that. It's just, I'm just going to let the phone be there because I don't want to be distracted by anything. I just want to be in my own thoughts, be in my own space. Um, and that's a form of self-care for me. So it's not always, you know, what's marketed to you. It's really just about, you know, taking time to, to check in and just be on your own. Yeah. I love that. It's hard to do too, because we create that noise and it is a distraction and then that becomes familiar and it feels Mm -hmm. weird to sit with yourself and listen to yourself. It feels uncomfortable. very uncomfortable. And I I think that's what people like, you need to get comfortable in the uncomfortable. That's where your transformation happens. And that sounds really like dramatic, but like, I think those those little 1% add up over time and you can really see how much you've grown. I mean, 
seeing myself in the last few years, since I started prioritizing my wellness and my yoga journey and all that kind of stuff, like all of those, they were small changes over a long period of time, but like, I'm totally different than, you know, who I was years ago. So that, that, that uncomfortableness, it pays off. Like it, it really is just steps to becoming who you're, who you're meant to be. Yeah. What do you think has been the biggest transformation for you personally, since you've really kind of committed to this practice? I think being comfortable in who I am has been massive because when I started kind of, okay, I'm going to be a little bit more healthy now, starting maybe drinking a few more green juices here and there, maybe getting takeout as much or whatever. I was very worried about what other people thought. I would say up until a year ago, really it got to me, you know, worrying about what former friends would think about me because, you know, when you're growing and transforming, you're going to outgrow some friendships and that's can be really hard. And you worry about what everybody's going to think or what they see about you online, especially when you're putting yourself out there, you know, I'm a yoga instructor, it's a small business, whatever. It's, it's very vulnerable. And I think I really struggled with that for a long time. Um, but the biggest transformation, especially over the last year is kind of embracing my truth. There's um, a term called satya in those yamas and niyamas from like the philosophy of yoga. And that's um, truthfulness. And so that's one of the core values of, of yoga is being truthful. And it's not just like not telling a lie, but it's, it's living your truth and living authentically. So I really had to challenge myself to kind of embrace that. And it was hard and <laughs> tricky. And I was so worried about what other people thought. And I kind of I think just slowly over time within the last year, it just got easier. Um, a few times you had to be like, Katie, like, it's okay. You don't yeah. have to worry about thinking it's, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, that would be the biggest transformation because I used to be so caught up in that. And that's part of my anxiety as well as worrying about what other people think of me. And it's still, don't get me wrong. I still care, but not being attached to it as much, I think has been a major change. That's amazing. And it's the kind of thing that didn't just, you didn't just change overnight. It was those little things that you implemented, those little moments of being uncomfortable or letting something go, maybe acknowledging that it bothers you, but not subscribing to it. And then little by little, you can now look back and say, oh, wow, all those little moments really compounded to create a big difference in, in who you are. Yeah. I think you make a really good point by saying like acknowledging that it's there. I think that's the biggest step. And because you could easily get mad at yourself for realizing that you're, you know, it's uncomfortable or you're worrying about something, but I think it's just acknowledging it. And that's something like whenever I'm like guiding a meditation or in a yoga class or something, I'm like, if your mind's wandering, don't get mad at yourself, acknowledge that it is, it's happening, but you, it's just natural. Just let it go. You don't have to be attached to it. You can let it go. You can choose to kind of move past even if, if that's hard. So I think that's really beautiful how you put that. You don't have to, you can just acknowledge it. And yeah. that's step. I always kind of think about those thoughts as like, you know, that when the airplane has the, the, the letters, like the, the message hanging from it on the flag, when yeah. the it goes like over the, yes. beach, I can't think of what it's called, but I always picture my thoughts that way. Like, Oh, there yeah. they are. And they're like, there they go through the sky. Like, goodbye. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly it. Like, and you could think about it as like clouds passing by, like, however, I think it's really helpful to visualize it because then you realize, Oh, it's normal. I'm not like crazy or I'm not bad for thinking this or whatever like it's natural just let it go and you said in the beginning your thoughts are not don't necessarily they're not necessarily reality just because yeah something doesn't make it true 
Yes. So like, that okay, great. Massive. That came up. Yeah. That was a massive thing for me that it took me a long time on like therapy to help me understand because with my anxiety, like the kind of way it manifests for me is like really disruptive thought patterns where it's something, whether I'm thinking something negative or whatever, I'm constantly thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about it and it's hard to get it out of my head. And it really, I really struggled with it at the beginning being like, well, if I'm thinking about this about myself or whatever, it must be true. And then I kind of had to learn, no, this is just like, it's just a thought. It doesn't make it a reality. And sometimes you're like, one of my favorite phrases is like an idle mind is the devil's playground. And that was something I really had to learn is like, not all these thoughts are real or good. Like, and that's okay. But you get so much power from yourself when you realize I have the power to say no to these thoughts and to kind of move past them and just say, no, you're not going to control me today. Like moving on. So yeah, does just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. I think that's the biggest thing like we can all learn. And it's, it's a weird thing to, Oh, really? I didn't. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know? Huh? Yeah. I was like, sorry. I just thought it was true because I thought it. Yeah. Well, I was right all the time. Silly me. Yeah, that's, that's rude. <laughs> I'm always right. <laughs> that's so funny. It is. It's just so helpful though. It's like such an awakening to, to kind of recognize that. Um, it's very liberating. It, it is. There's freedom in not yeah. allowing your thoughts to control you. And it's kind of like, you know, if someone says something that you know is not true, you can easily think to yourself, well, I know that's not true and move on. Yeah. And it's, it's so different. Yeah. <laughs> I think like kind of maybe visualizing that brain and those thoughts as separate from you in a way you can kind of, my, my therapist taught me when I was like really struggling, like when I was in college, he was like, talk to yourself. Like you're sitting in a chair across from you talk, like, imagine like what you're thinking is being t- said to you right now. And like, would you accept that? And I was like, damn, that is that's really good. They might teach you something when you're becoming a psychologist. That's pretty good. And that was really helpful for me. Like when I visualizing, visualize it coming from another human being, it, it makes such a difference. Yeah. Uh, that's a great little kind of trick too. I think, um, you mentioned something interesting Yeah. about yoga kind of being perceived as like this skinny white girl doing a headstand. And there has been like a lot of talk about the wellness industry being a little exclusive and, you know, it can be kind of packaged in a way that is not only expensive, but also privileged. And I think that's such an interesting thing to kind of think about. And it sounds like you, you know, make a point to be very inclusive and to bring everyone into your classes What are your thoughts on that? Because I think like, yes, like, you know, organic food, not everyone has access to organic food Um, or, you know, classes, not everyone can afford a class. How do we approach that in a way that it becomes more accessible for people so that they can take what they want from it? And I think more importantly, feel as if it's for them. I love that you mentioned this because I could talk about this all day. (laughs) I was running, like I did some like um, yoga fundamentals workshops a few months back. And I actually spent quite a bit of time going over like the appropriation of yoga. And I learned a lot of it from my like mentor who's, her name's Monsi and she's amazing. And she's from India. Um, So talking to her a lot and she does a lot of work um, in terms of like the appropriation of yoga. And that was really passed on to me. And it was really helpful for me to kind of look at myself honestly and be like, Katie, you are that skinny white girl in your Lululemons doing your headstands. Like Mm -hmm. 
I am hundred percent that girl, you know? And it's interesting because like, even though I am, you know, that kind of mold, when I started yoga, I walked in, I was so intimidated. I felt like I didn't belong there. Even though I was a skinny white girl in Lululemon, which is wild. Like we can all, you know, feel that way. So imagine somebody who's less privileged or who maybe has a different skin color or is from a different country. Imagine how they feel. Um, so that is something I think is really, it's a discussion that needs to happen um, because we're profiting off of it and we're profiting off of, you know, I'm profiting off of Indian culture. You know, yoga comes from India, you know, when we're profiting off of, you know, ashwagandha supplements and Ayurveda. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Actually, it comes from all these other co- countries and stuff, but we act like we're revolutionizing it because, right. you know, you know, we're from California or whatever. Right. And it's tricky. So I think the first step is to have the conversation because, and to be honest about it and not to have our defenses up. I think it's easy, you know, for, for like it, when I see like cultural appropriation in yoga, I could easily be defensive and be like, I have every right to teach yoga as so much as, as everybody else. Like, and that's true. Like everybody has a right to, to teach it and whatever. But I think the important thing is to not have your defense up and to acknowledge where everybody else is coming from and to just have the conversation. So I think, you know, when I talk about, I want people in my classes to feel welcome and to feel inclusive. For me, a lot of that comes from body image and body size as well, um, because yes, I am a skinny white girl, but I also have had you know issues with body dysmorphia and stuff like that. So even though I'm not a bigger girl, I still have dealt with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't imagine you know if I were bigger and I was dealing with those struggles, you know, it'd be even more challenging. So I want everybody to feel welcome because it can feel very isolating. So for me, it's just about some of the language I use and just being honest, like. You might like, I like everybody's strength level is different. I say in my classes a lot where don't look at the person next to you, look at where you are. We're all experiencing today in a different way. We all have different bodies. We all have different backgrounds. Um, somebody might be in a splits, but they might not be as healthy as you and stuff like that. Like, so I think it's just the language we use and it's being, um, open enough to have the conversation and making sure that we're not like checking our own bias and checking the fact that, you know, it's very easy to get defensive about it, but the best conversation happens when we're kind of open and honest with each other. Yeah. I love that. I love that. This is a discussion that it's acknowledged, you know, and even Mm -hmm. for me, it was kind of like, Oh, huh. Hadn't really thought much about that. Look how I would have thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like the fact that it hasn't even come to mind until recently when I've been, you know, hearing and reading a little bit more and mm-hmm. really kind of thinking about that in the way that I approach my health coaching too, because yes, I have access to, you know, the LA lifestyle. I have a juice bar in every corner. I have yeah. <laughs> restaurants, I have yoga and Pilates, but I have clients who live elsewhere who there's no whole foods. They don't have a a Ralph's, they don't have a Trader Joe's like, and if you order Amazon, you better have a friend who lives in a city who can, you can have it delivered to because you live out in the middle of nowhere in a country side. Yeah. So you're not getting like your cacao nibs prime delivered for next day. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that is a privilege that I didn't even realize I had until just now. Like I have been that person. I order my cacao I think, you know, what you said is just being aware and, and, and being open to that conversation too, because 
I may not realize something, you may not realize something, but when it's brought to you to actually take that in, toil with that, think it over instead of jumping to, well, you know, I chose to live here. I've moved across the country and I spent a lot of money to live this lifestyle. And, you know, I made that choice. That's ridiculous. So, um, I love that. And I love that you, you, yeah, you raise that vibe in your classes. And I think that's just so beautiful. Yeah. What, what recommendations do you have for somebody who maybe is interested maybe is listening and is like, I really like the way this sounds. I want to start yoga. I'm scared to go to a class or maybe things are just starting to open up again or they're not. What would you say are kind of some tips to getting involved and in, in beginning that practice? I would definitely, I would go with one of two approaches. So for me, like I love in-person classes and I think they're so fun, but I know that you might not live close enough to a yoga studio or you might not feel comfortable going to a yoga studio or you're afraid of not even knowing what a downward dog is. Mm -hmm. So, but for those who want to start in person, I would say pick a, find a friend, go make a day of it, you know, go on a Saturday morning, go to yoga and then go to brunch. Again, that's like a privilege thing for me to say, you might not have that nearby, but if you do, if it's an option for you, do it, it'll make it so much more fun. And you can laugh at each other. If one of you guys is like facing the wrong direction or doesn't know what's going on, it can be like, it's, it's more, much more comfortable when you're going with somebody else. So want to start in person, that would be my recommendation. Um, maybe even introduce yourself to, to the yoga teacher beforehand and say, I knew, I don't know what I'm doing. They can keep a lookout for you. Like if someone were to come up to me before one of my classes and said that I would make sure, like, I love working with new yogis because I remember how I felt, you know, being yeah. scared going into a yoga studio. So I want to make sure you feel comfortable. Um, if that's not really feasible for you or not really, you know, what you want to start with, I would say find an online yoga teacher or there's a lot of great classes on YouTube um, or find somebody online. One of the great things that I found with lockdown, obviously it was, I was able to start teaching online, which was great. But a lot of my students had found me through Instagram or something um, and they had never done yoga before. And it was a great way for them to start because they were able to reach me outside of, you know, class to ask me questions, which was great. Um, and that we were able to kind of build a community. So it was less intimidating. So you have that more personalized approach than, you know, if you were just looking on YouTube, YouTube is a great place to start. I would say for anybody start there. Um, but finding somebody you can kind of build a relationship with and find a community with, it's great. There's so many yoga teachers out online. Um, you can find someone in your time zone and in your area and stuff, and they'll love it. You're supporting somebody small rather than a big YouTube, you know, teacher or whatever, which I think is great. Um, but then you also have somebody to ask your questions to because they're going to come up. You're going to have questions and having somebody approachable, I think is, is great to have. Get that more, more of a personal kind of interaction, even if it is, if it is virtual, yeah. where can everyone find you in your classes if they want to start <laughs> and can make it work with the time zone, which you can, I've done it. <laughs> I would say like the best thing I've done is make all my classes available for recording because that was so helpful. Cause I had friends from home where like, I want to take your classes, but I'm not going to wake up at 5am. So, right. um, <laughs> so that was helpful. So all my classes are available for recording, which is great. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at flow by Katie. I spell my name with a C. So flow by C A T I E. Um, and then all of my news for like classes and stuff are all on there. My website's flow by Katie.com. So I'm currently making some things in the work for fall for some new classes. So keep an eye out, but yeah. And if anybody has yoga questions or non-yoga questions, I'm always around for a chat. So just message me. Um, I'm always there. 
So it. yeah. Thanks for having me. I, this so is fun. <laughs> I love it. I love that we touched on a lot of different areas and not just yoga yeah. and the physical practice and yeah. the mental health benefits of it and the inclusivity that we're trying, you know, hopefully trying to promote. I, I just love it. Yeah. Such a breath of fresh air. Thank you so much you. for joining. <laughs> Um, and I highly recommend your classes. I loved the energy. I loved your class. You did it on the balcony super early in the morning and it was just, it felt so good for the rest of the day. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to rate and review and also follow along on Instagram at holistic.w.kristen. And I will see you soon.